With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah.
almost like a top and bottom of each inning, and we can kind of alternate. But I figured we could just sort of throw some topics out there, you know, that are um, that are on our brain, and just kind of bounce some things around and get each other's perspective. How does that sound tonight? I think that sounds like a fantastic idea. I will let you lead off the discussion. What do you got? I, I will so say, I, real I, I, quick, saw, uh, I saw one headline that I bet that I bet is top of mind for you, but I'll, I'll see where you go first before I throw it out. Okay, so you you give me that next. I just want to, because uh, I honestly I had not had the time to look at too many headlines today. So uh, what I will say is a really quick shout out to we said today. Got Nate here, but the other uh, the other chefs that make this possible, man. Listen, the head honcho, TP, uh, the timeless wonder, man. Uh, the the mothership show, if you will, the the timeless Sunday morning brunch. He and I usually get this done every Sunday morning, uh, twelve uh, eleven a.m. Eastern time, ten Central. Uh, we try to as best as possible cover things going on in the sports world. We did kind of hit baseball. He does a nice job of kind of going through standings, hitting records of where teams are and where we are. And so we kind of recap what's going on in the baseball world. But shout out to him. Uh, and the time of Sunday morning brunch on Sundays, Wednesday nights, we have the uh, cookout as well. So just those are at least three of our shows we have going on. And we, we'll have some other things as it, as it comes closer to uh, football season. So just a quick shout out to all the shows that we that we do. So like leading off, like – Okay, this is not the the biggest headline of the day, but I want to talk I want to talk rookies for a minute, like uh, beginning of the show or whatever, you know. So I want to talk rookies. There's there's a couple of them that kind of jumped to my mind, but since you're a big Orioles fan, mate, I thought that I would bob something out here for you to start off. Uh, he's been up now for a couple of weeks. Tell me your tell me your thoughts. What you've seen so far from Mr. Adley Rushman and. Uh, any other young pitchers, but uh, what do you see in Baltimore that that you what do you think of these guys so far? So I am loving Adley Rutschman so far. He's still <clears throat> still hunting that first major league RBI, still hunting that first major league home run. He is actually currently at the plate in the bottom of the sixth inning. The Orioles are trailing the Mariners eight nothing, and Adley just grounded out to the shortstop in the ship. So. He's 0 for 3 on the night. He, I mean, you you expect when a guy comes up, there's going to be some growing pain. So, obviously, he's not hitting 300, 400, anything like that. He is, I believe his batting average is probably around 167 coming into tonight, but I might have that number wrong. What's more impressive about him for me is I love watching the way he works behind the plate, the way he receives the ball. There are some people I know out there that really hate the concept of pitch framing. They claim that it's not a thing or that it's, you know, that umpires don't buy it. I think as, I think it actually is a thing. You see all the time that there are catchers that are definitely stealing extra strikes for their pitchers. And the thing that I love about watching Adley behind the plate is just he's so – I guess the word would be soft when he receives the ball. Like there's not a whole – I don't notice a ton of – movement in the glove. You know, I the one that always mm-hmm. sticks out in my mind is the catcher the catcher for the New York Yankees, you know. If there's a ball if he's catching a ball that's like maybe an inch above the zone, as soon as he catches the ball, you see him ripping his hand down six inches so it to try and sell it as, Oh yeah, that was right down the middle. It's like you're not fooling anybody with that. But Adley I'm not saying he doesn't move the glove. He definitely moves the glove, but it's to me it appears so subtle. Like it's just like that nice little twist of the wrist to get the width of the glove back into the zone. He just he's so calm and composed back there. He it's a huge change from what the Orioles were looking at in terms of their uh batteries, their catchers that they had the last couple of years when they had Pedro Severino and uh Chance Cisco and guys like that back there. But on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, he's still looking for, still looking for that first home run, still looking for that first RBI as I mentioned. But the other thing that is really important, he if he were to qualify, he would be among the major league leaders in pitches seen per at-bat. He's seeing almost five pitches per plate appearance. He is a very, very patient hitter. And that's why it doesn't bother me really that he's hitting below the Mendoza line in the first couple of weeks he's been up. Because when you're a patient hitter and you know what you're looking for, 
you're going to get your hits. The bat, you, he knows how to put the bat on the ball, and he knows what he wants to hit. He's going to be just fine, and I am excited to see where the rest of this year ends up for Adley Rutschman. Now, sticking with the rookie concept, and I'll let you give your thoughts if you have one, Adley Rutschman, but I'm looking at a headline that has to be right up your alley. The Atlanta Braves called up their own top prospect over the weekend, Michael Harris, the second round straight up from a short stint at double A after he played most of last year at high single A. So he's, they have him skipping a level and calling him up pretty early. What what are your thoughts on Harris? Well, I, I definitely want to get, I, I want to get to Harris and then we're going to go across the diamond um, in that game, in that same game that you were just talking about with, uh, with Baltimore, because that's the guy right now that that is really grabbing uh, grabbing my attention in Major League Baseball as far as rookies go right now. Uh, so Michael Harris had a huge, huge spring training uh, a couple years ago, like lit it up in spring training. And uh, if you remember, there was a guy in the Braves system, and I. I don't know if this guy – I think he's still in the minor leagues. I don't think he was part of the, the, any of the trades that they made in the offseason. But there's a guy who was supposed to be that next guy in the Braves farm system by the name of Drew Waters. Uh, and he was supposed to be the next big thing as far as outfield prospects go. And But he still hasn't quite made that extra jump. And then a couple years ago, at spring training – Michael Harris really caught everybody's eye. Very eye-popping, really was, was smashing the ball at spring training, hitting long home runs. Um, and that was, so we're talking 2020, that would have been pandemic season, right? Like, um, so he comes out, he's, he's he really impresses in the spring, and then, of course, everybody has to go home and all that goes down. But Harris is a guy that really – he made a big jump. He's a local boy. He's a Georgia kid. Uh, and then last year he struggled early in the season. But he was a guy that, you know, I, from everything that I'd seen a couple of years ago, I, I kind of got into a spot where I believed that I mean, maybe Waters will be that guy at some point. But I had convinced myself or believed that the ceiling for Harris was definitely higher than the ceiling for Waters, right? And so last year, Harris struggled a little bit in the early season. And then he kind of starts to turn it around later in the year. Has a nice uh, a nice minor league season, but big growth. And listen, the, the Braves after – the Braves gave up a lot for Matt Olsen. You gave up Pache, who could be a gold glove caliber center fielder. You gave up Shea Langelier, who could be a gold glove caliber catcher. So you gave up a lot in the middle right there. And there's not as much major league ready talent uh, in that system right now. Uh, a lot of those young arms have been called up, right? Like Kyle Wright and those are the guys. So a lot of these guys have been, have been called up recently. And so the, the next, the highest rated position player of the group is Michael Harris. And I didn't see this coming. I, I thought there was a possibility that he would be up at some point this year. I didn't see it coming right now, but I think that the Braves are figuring out what I thought all along. Uh, Adam Duvall is a good defensive outfielder, but he's a very good corner outfielder. He's a stopgap in center field. Adam Duvall is not a speed demon. He's a smart player, but he's not – He's not an everyday center fielder. He can't cover center field like Mullins and some of those other guys. Uh, he makes up for it a lot of times by sound positioning and that kind of stuff, and he's a veteran. He's been around for a while. But the Braves really uh, wanted to upgrade their outfield defense, and that's why they went ahead and made the, made the call. Michael Harris can play center. He can cover ground out there. He's got speed. He's a fantastic defensive outfielder. And what this allows you to do is put Duvall at a corner. You have Acuna in right when he can play in the outfield. 
And that also takes Marcelo Zuna, who's not a very good outfielder, and makes him the DH. Now when Eddie Rosario gets back, uh, you know, he can play out there. Duvall is really, really struggling. The Braves uh, gave him that contract because of, of what he was able to do. Uh, listen, he's been released by several teams or let go by several teams. And so he wins the RBI title last year. He's given the jobs. Now we got Harris out there. Like I said, he his bat appears to be coming around. He doesn't look overmatched, right? Like he's not seen a ton of pitches, but he's making contact. Grounding out some, he's got an, he had an extra base hit the other day. Uh, the ceiling's really high for this kid. He's very, very young. I didn't think this call would be, like I said, made so soon. But he improves your, he improves your outfield defense. He can cover ground in center field better than anybody you have on your major league roster. And you know what, Nate? They're going to put him in the ninth spot, right? So you're going to put him, let him back ninth, and just leave him alone and say, you know what, guy? Just play defense for us. We know you got some pop in your bat, so that'll be extra. But just play defense for us, and, and you're going to stick for a while. So, I mean, what a cool deal for this kid, though, local boy, you know, to come up and uh, and play for the hometown team. You know, I don't think Michael Harris is more than 23 years old right now, 22, 23 years old. He's a young kid. So, you know, got to be exciting. He, you know, he said what how surreal it was the other day to come in and see his name, you know, his jersey hanging up on a locker and be called up and be able to make that debut at home. Like that's, that's got to be a cool experience for the kid and the family coming, you know, right down the road to watch him play. Um, you know, it, it kind of makes me think back to when you had local products like uh, McCann and, and Frank Core come up years ago, right, being being local kids. So, um, listen, it's, it's exciting uh, to see that happen. You're coming, you're coming in, you're playing for the defending world champs who are actually drawing now. The Braves are like third in attendance right now in major leagues, uh, which is pretty impressive. So uh, I'm curious to see what he can do. I, he's got some pops. He's got – because he hasn't ever done AAA yet, you know, how he handles pitching. As you know, Nate, this is a game of adjustments, right? Like uh, as soon as you adjust, they adjust too. So uh, can he continue to make those switches and learn on the major league level? We'll find out. But – I think he's with an organization that does a pretty good job of taking care of his players. Yeah, absolutely. He, I was just looking at his stat line, and you pretty much nailed it. Uh, looks like he's off to a – predictably, you know, you got a young kid. He's hit through nine at-bats. Looks like he's got about, like, what, one for nine. But uh, probably I'd, I'd imagine he's probably starting out in center field tonight. So maybe you get maybe he'll get a couple of hits and – Make that make that slash line look a little bit, a little bit sexier for him. I do want to correct one thing. I think I said Adley Rutschman was hitting 167. I I need to follow my sword and apologize. I'm selling him way short. He's actually hitting 200, so he is at the Mendoza line coming into tonight's game. That's not way short. Now you, <laughs> yeah, I'm really underselling my guy. Now you said you wanted to talk about a guy on the Mariners. Hit, hit me with it. Who's your Who's our rookie on the Mariners? Julio out by the schoolyard, man. Listen, if you check, uh, he didn't even, uh, he, you know, he came up to start the season. They put him in that lineup. And, and now if you, you know, if you look at the AP or you look in your local papers, you see like the major league leaders in different stat categories. You'll see Julio Rodriguez pretty high in steals, pretty high in hits. Uh, this guy, yeah. People talked about it coming in, but this guy is a major league ready bat. And as the season continues to un- unfold, he's starting to show it more and more. I haven't looked yet to see what he's done yet tonight. But I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far this season out of Julio Rodriguez. Have you watched him at all, Nate? Uh, I mean, I'm, I've been watching tonight's game, but I have not taken – Specific notice. Next time he's off the plate, I'll make sure that I'm paying very close attention to his ABs. I should be able to pull you. Yeah, if he comes right now, though. If he comes up tonight while we're on the show, it'd be, it'd be uh, fun to hear your thoughts on uh, on what you see from him. And I'm going to double check as as we go throughout this show and and take a look at make sure that uh, Harris is playing center field tonight. I'm quite sure he is. Uh, as as we go along tonight, uh, so. Any other rookies really uh, jumping out at you right now or 
that that you really feel like uh, really pointing to or highlighting right now as we're as we're kind of talking about the the young kids, the young whippersnappers to start the show tonight. <laughs> well, I know that there's guys that are banging on the door to get into Baltimore. Uh, well, first you got Kyle Bradish who got knocked around in Boston over the weekend, but I still like Bradish. I think he's actually pitching fairly well his last outing aside. And since his debut, which I think we talked about two weeks ago when we talked about his start in St. Louis, and he has kind of come back down to earth off of that initial start, <clears throat> a little somewhere, one of the middle average outings before getting, before Boston got to him. But, you know, it's, it's Boston, it's Fenway. They were, they came into that weekend series Scored like at, they had scored like what thirty six runs or something in their three games prior to the Memorial Day five game series against Baltimore, and then they turned around and they lost three out of five. So there you go, like yeah, they Boston getting hot and then they ran into the buzzsaw that is Baltimore. But you got some other guys that are, it's weird, Mike. The guys who are really catching my attention right now, they're not even at the major league level yet. There's, you know, sticking with what I know in my in my hometown farm, you got. Grayson Rodriguez just absolutely destroying Triple A Norfolk right now. Although don't hold me to that if he didn't have a good game. If he didn't have, I know he did really well on Friday. I don't know what he did since Friday, if he's pitched at all. Uh, Kyle Stowers is hitting the ball. Gunnar Gunnar Henderson for the Orioles is just tearing the cover off the ball, trying to get that promotion from Double A AA to Triple A. But here's another name. I'm going to step out of Baltimore that's catching my eye. Cody Clemens. The heir apparent of Roger. Roger Clemens, he is getting mm-hmm. ready to make his Tigers debut. So there's a name that's going to be worth watching when he comes up with with Detroit. But what about you? What other what other young young guys around the league have caught your attention? I mean, we have I haven't paid terribly close attention to Bobby Wood. I know that he started off scuffling and got himself into a nice little hitting streak, and it looks like maybe now he's kind of leveling out between the highs and lows. Uh, what other guys have jumped off the yeah. page of you besides the ones that we've talked about already? Yeah, yeah, Bobby Witt is definitely coming around uh, for sure. As a matter of fact, um, they've got him out of third base. They've, they've moved him over to shortstop. Uh, the last few times I've looked up, he's been hitting third in that uh, Kansas City order. So uh, he's really starting to settle in, I think. Uh, you know, you mentioned upcoming guys. Uh, I also heard that Riley Green is about to really start working on a rehab assignment, and he's a guy that is uh, very, very highly thought of in the Tiger system, uh, center field prospect that uh, should be on his way up very soon as well. The Tigers, much like the Orioles, man, they've kind of struggled. Now they've kind of surpassed Kansas City um, in that division. But much like the Orioles, man, they've, they've got a lot of guys. Uh, that are on the verge as, as they've really been working on that rebuild. So uh, I'm definitely interested to see uh, what we get out of Riley Green. Jose Miranda's getting some uh, getting some run. He was the Twins minor league player of the year last year. And so he's come up and, and getting a little bit of play. So uh, And then there's the guy in, in St. Louis, Gorman, uh, playing some – Noah Gorman playing some second base. He's got some pop in his bat. Uh, the question with him is going to be strikeouts, but uh, he's got a good bit of pop in his bat, so you know what we can get out of him will be interesting to see. So those are a couple of guys that that are really sort of jumping out to me right now. And then with uh, Gregorius being out, of course that uh, Bryson Stott from uh, Philly playing some shortstop for them. But there's a there, – Several guys, man, but those are the rookies that really jump out to me. Now, did you have another headline, or were you going to talk about the Harris? Was that, was that the one you were referring to earlier? Harris is the headline that you, I was going to throw at you there to get your thoughts on. Okay. That's what I wanted. I got you. So, so you, read right my mind or, you read my mind on where I was going to go. <laughs> oh, cool. So uh, that kind of covers what we got going on there. Uh as far as rookies in baseball, we've also started seeing uh, some rookie pitchers come, pitchers come up. You mentioned the guy, you know, a couple of guys in Baltimore. Um, 
So a lot a lot of good young arms. Listen, I think the the, the game is actually in very in very good hands. Uh, I think we're transitioning to this next uh, wave of guys, and we got some uh, some veterans as well. So I, I actually like where the talent level is in the game of baseball right now. Now let's whip around, and the, the next thing I was going to point out is if you look. We talked about the Yankees' fast start, and we talked about, you know, the biggest thing for them was that it got them, you know, at least gives them a little bit of a cushion. They kind of started to come back down to earth a little bit. Um, they were 5-5 five and five in their last 10 going into Sunday. Uh, this, you know, we're starting to see some injuries now, right? We have uh, – we have – Stanton out, uh, Miguel Andahar had to come up, right? And so we're we're starting to see a few injuries uh, from that Yankees team. We'll see if they can get uh, people back and healthy at some point. Uh, Stanton is on that is on the disabled list. I think I, I read that this was the fourth straight season that he's ended up on the DL so far this year. Uh, Four straight seasons he spent time on the DL. So uh, we'll see if he can if he can get himself together and get back and be and be healthy. So, uh, but if you look across the board, uh, the Dodgers are creeping up on him. Right, like the Dodgers are right there now with with one of the best uh, records in the game now, they're, they're going to be, they're going to catch him uh, very soon. It's not, yeah, they were only a half game back as of Sunday for the best record in baseball. The Dodgers are really playing some, uh, some very good ball right now. Your thoughts about just sort of overall standings and what we got going on? Yeah. I'm, didn't the Dodgers? The Dodgers were just in Pittsburgh, weren't they? No, I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of the Padres. The Padres were in Pittsburgh over the weekend. Well, let me. Right. I swear I saw the. I swear I saw a Dodgers <laughs> score come across my phone, but that could be from any number of teams that I get alerts on. Oh. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Just a quick look. The AL East, uh, I mean, your hottest team in the AL East right now is Toronto, who's just very quietly, like, they're just going about their business. They're now 27-20. and 20. They've won their last five, seven and three in their last ten. Everybody else in the AL East just kind of playing right around 500 ball, which, as an AL East fan, I'm loving that. It means that my, te- my team's hanging right in the balance there. I mean, we're not close – in terms of win loss, but I think I think the Orioles were, were were so much better at this point in the year than everybody expected us to be. Other than that, I mean, I believe the Blue Jays do have the longest win active win streak. Yeah, the Mets have four. Mets have won four in a row. Blue Jays have won five in a row. Who else is streaking here? The, well, the Brewers just got done playing. The Brewers just wound up in. Chicago yesterday, so we'll see if they stretch their win streak from three to possibly five or six. I am actually going to that game tomorrow, so I will report back on how that how that goes. Um, yeah, we yeah, said no, in the space. We said we said in the space just a week or two ago. Watch out for the Blue Jays. <laughs> I think their bats are going to start to warm up, um, yeah. and. Listen, uh, one guy that has been really, really good for the Blue Jays so far this year uh, in that rotation is Alec Manoa. Um, he he has given uh, pretty much a quality start every time out. He's, he's pitching very, very well. Um, so I'm impressed with what we're seeing out of him. He's making a huge jump from what he was last year. We saw it last year. His numbers were good, a little bit inconsistent. But so far this year, man, he's been one of the most consistent starting pitchers in baseball. Very impressed with what I've seen out of him so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. And now here's 
here's something that I just noticed, and it, it sparks a question for me. The Angels have lost their last five. They are three and seven in their last ten. I know that we've spoken about it on this show, about how we were impressed by the Angels' hot start. Aside from Trout and Otani being Trout and Otani, it looked like the Angels might finally have some semblance of pace, and they looked like they were going to hang in that AL West race. They've lost five in a row. They currently sit four games back of Houston, who has seemingly grabbed the mantle here. They always say you can't win your division in May. Do you think you can lose your division in May? Like, is this have the Angels? Am, am I overreacting by saying the Angels on this five-game losing streak and being four games back at Houston? Can we write their epitaph? Are they done? Or, or uh, so, can they come so back yes, and make this over, a race? Yes, you're overreacting right now. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that means that you're wrong. I haven't – listen, if they continue to spiral, they could still lose this division. You can lose it in May. You can lose a division in April uh, if you really get off to too slow of a start. But they're not super far back. Uh, you know, we, we've seen teams overcome seven, eight-game, nine-game deficits even at the all-star break. Uh, the Angels have had some guys banged up. Uh, they're starting to get these guys back. You know, for a few days there, you either had to go with Ward or Otani because Ward had an injury flare-up, and so he wasn't able to play in the field, so he was going to have to DH, and you can't have two designated hitters, right? So, um, So he is – but he's back in the lineup tonight and in right field. Uh, Joe Madden has had to sort of be creative and try to patch things together uh, for that Angel squad, but I think getting Ward back and being able to put him in the outfield is going to make a difference. We'll see over the course of this season, uh, you know, if their pitching can hold up. That, I mean, that's the thing. We, we've known that they were going to have the offense, uh, but now you also have Rendon on the aisle again. Uh, we talked about Rendon not necessarily being able to stay healthy and same thing's kind of happening now, right? He's got a wrist injury, so he's gone to the I.L. And so, listen, when you when you take a couple of bats out of that lineup, uh, it becomes a much different – it becomes different. And, you know, now that you got Ward back at least, you, now you have Ward and Otani and Trout and Marsh uh, and some of those guys in that lineup. So, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll kind of start to settle in again. But this team needs Rendon for the balance of the season. Uh, if Rendon misses a big chunk of time, then, yes, they've already given it away. And the only other reason why I say I think you're overreacting some is because Houston has seemed to sort of right the ship a little bit. they still got a lot of good starting pitching, but I didn't look to see what they did yesterday. But I think going into Sunday – I read that Houston had had like eight games straight where they scored three runs or less. So that offense is really, it hasn't really taken off. Kyle Tucker hasn't really gotten hot yet this season. And so those bats haven't really gotten going. You know, Altuve's been in and out of the lineup. At one point, they had lost very, very few games while he was in the lineup. And, I mean, he's a very valuable piece. He's kind of the igniter uh, for that team. Um, the, The depth of the pitching staff and, and the stars that Houston has make you think they're they're probably gonna gonna definitely be there at the end. But they have not shown me like a level of dominance that I've seen from them in, in seasons past. So I mean can they be had? Yes. But you're gonna have to play to catch them, right? And I don't think that uh I don't think the Angels are out of it. And and you know, we're starting to see a little bit of a resurgence from from the Mariners, they're starting to bounce back a little bit and play a little bit better baseball as well. So uh, I don't think anybody other than the A's have technically lost that division yet. <laughs> and I think it's still Houston's to win. Uh, but but I, I I wouldn't rule the Angels out of it yet. Yeah, you touched on the Mariners. Their pitching did really well against Houston, actually, this, this past weekend to really kind of hold them in the fight a little bit. 
Uh, Mike, you wanted me to let you know, Julio Rodriguez currently at the plate. He is one for four on the night. He's staring down a 2-2 count, top of the eight. There's one man on, one man out. So there's your quick rapid-fire update on Julio Rodriguez. Let's, I'll let you know what, uh, whether or not Marcos, Marcos Diplan follows the plan or if he if everything falls apart on him at the mound here. Uh, I see what you, Before I see we what jump you into there. <laughs> yeah, a little wordplay. Uh, before mm-hmm. we go further, I want to do a little bit more business, remind everybody that the Sports City Chefs, you can join us if you are out there listening to us and you want to call and share an opinion. The call-in number is 929-477-2759. Again, that's 929-477-2759. Marcos Dupont just blew Julio Rodriguez away, strikes him out. They're now two outs in the top of the eighth. As the Mariners lead the – oh, I'd say blew him away. He got it a fastball right on the inside corner. Mariners, though, they're comfortable. They're up 9 nothing to the top of the eighth. They're probably going to win this game, barring some Orioles magic. And before we jump into the next topic, I want to remind everybody that the – Baseball Buffet is brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. Are you a Phillies fan out there looking for some new threads for when you go to your next game at Citizens Bank Park? Check everything out at PHI Apparel. You're going to love everything they have over there. Great stuff for all Phillies. This is the Baseball Buffet. We're in the heart of baseball season. Check out all their Phillies gear. And when you do, use our promo code CHEFS for a nice little discount. That's PHI Apparel, promo code CHEFS. Now, Mike, speaking of Wait, one other thing real quick, just another business thing, just so people know. Uh, we, we are a part of the Blog Talk, blog talk Radio uh, Network. You can also find us on your uh, smart devices. Ask Alexa to play Sports City Chefs. Uh, we're on Spotify and all kinds of uh, places as well. Just type in Sports City Chefs to search for us. You can check out any of our episodes. You can listen to us live. You can check out any of our archived episodes as well. So feel free to check us out. Click, follow, subscribe, like. And all that helps us uh, pay the bills and helps us keep us on the air and, and tells Blog Talk exactly what they have here with us. So um, if you find our podcast on any of your podcast platforms, uh, just search for Sports City Chefs, and make sure you hit that subscribe button. That that definitely helps us and pays dividends, and we appreciate it. Now, Mike, speaking of the Philadelphia Phillies, they're hurting. They're in, they're in a bit of a rut here. They're 21 and 28. They're 11 and a half games back of the red-hot New York Mets. They've lost their last four games. They've, they're only three and seven in their last ten. There's some rumblings in the Philadelphia media that Joe Girardi's job might not be as safe as he, as one might think. Phillies came into this year, they thought they might be pushing for one of those extra wild card spots. And times they've looked like a really good team. Like they've looked like a competitor, but now, you know, we're past the quarter pole. Is it two part question for you? Is Joe Girardi safe? Is the media just overreacting when they say that his job security should be in question? And the second part of this question, is the quarter poll too early to be making these kind of decisions about manager manager jobs, whether or not to fire a manager or move on kind of thing? Uh, so I do think it's a little early, but – uh, listen, Philly fans are not known for their patience at all um, and or really sticking with and, and this team really did some things to try to bolster its lineup. You go get Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber to give your lineup some length, and those guys haven't really been extremely consistent so far. Uh, Bryce Harper has been his typical self. Alec Bohm started the season hitting pretty well. Uh, you know they're not getting uh, they're, they're not necessarily getting a lot of length from their starting pitching. Uh, this team this team better be careful. I mean, keep an eye out over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think that 
if anybody is going to make a run at the Mets in that division, whether it be Philly, whether it be Atlanta, they're going to have to make sure they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, right? Like, the Braves got two out of three from the Marlins each of the last two weekends. That's kind of what you have to do. Uh, if you're going to compete at all in this division, uh, I, I don't necessarily think that Girardi's job is in jeopardy, but I do think that if they continue to tailspin, if they go three and seven and then three and seven again, like, if, you know, if they go six and 14 in the next group of 20 games, and I think anything could possibly happen. I mean, you can't you can't fire the whole team, and so somebody's got to be somebody's got to kind of be the scapegoat for it. And sometimes the managerial change midseason can spark a team. So, I mean, we'll see. I I, I don't I think he's going to last because I think this team is going to play some better baseball. I think over the course of the season, you have your ups and downs. I know that the Phillies and the Braves split a four game set last week, and I think that's, I mean, but if you think about it, those are two of their three wins uh, in their last ten. So, uh, I guess apparently this weekend they uh, they pooped the bed. So, uh, we'll see. That That's something to definitely keep an eye on them moving forward is what happens there in Philly. Yeah, so, my next topic I mean, for another, you. Oh, yep, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, my next topic for you. Question, uh, I'll let, let you comment yep, on Gerardi, and then we'll go somewhere else. Okay. Well, I was just like the question that I think that needs, it's a good question to raise is, you know, so fire Girardi, if you do fire Girardi now, how does getting rid of him actually improve the team's overall performance? Now, like you said, there are times where you make that managerial change and the new guy comes in and it does provide a little bit of a spark, but the new manager isn't going to change how well these guys play defense. The new manager can't do anything about that bullpen that Dombrowski has for some reason not addressed over the last three years. So if if you're going to lay the blame at anybody's feet, why would you lay the blame at Girardi's feet instead of say Dave Dombrowski's feet? Why, why would Dave, why should Dave Dombrowski keep his job instead of Girardi keep his job? Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, they tried with Corey Knable I don't know that that really moved the needle as much as they hoped it would, you know, as far as being able to to fix that bullpen. Uh, They've tried a few other arms over the last couple of years, Archie Bradley, a couple of different guys, but they they just have not been – they've not been able to find that consistency in that pen. And sometimes that can be a a hard thing to to fix. Everybody needs arms, right? So – but I agree. I think – that as much of that blame has to go towards Dombrowski than uh, as it does as it does Girardi, if not more. Listen, you go get Schwarber, and it it does not help that Bryce Harper, you know, has not been able to throw. So he's pretty much been relegated to DH duty. Um, so now you have to put Schwarber in right in left field and Castellanos in right. And Castellanos is a decent defensive outfielder, not not what Bryce Harper is and Kyle Schwarber. I mean, listen, that, he's one of the reasons why the, they have a DH. Uh, <laughs> he played with the Cubs for a while, but then there was a lot of talk even then. Like he needs to go somewhere where he can be a designated hitter. But he's forced into playing the outfield again right now because of Harper's injury, and that doesn't help. And I think that factors in as well. So uh, I think there's plenty of blame to go around, and I think that you know, it, if you're going to to make a move on Girardi, I think you have to make a move on Dabrowski as well. And I don't think he's going to do that yet. Yeah. Now you had another topic that you wanted. You wanted well, another topic. Boston we got we got about a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, Boston. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Absolutely. I mean, Trevor Story caught fire. He had. What, three home runs in one game last week and went four for five. Um, he's starting to come around. Rafael Devers is doing Rafael Devers things. Xander Bogarts is uh, hitting the ball well. This and that's a and Kike Hernandez has uh, has started to find it. He struggled early on, but he's uh, he's starting to come around a little bit as well. That is a very tough uh, offense for Boston. I don't know if they're going to be able to pitch enough 
Uh, we'll see. Evaldi is kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes he's really good, and sometimes he gets smacked around. Uh, and then, you know, Tanner Houck, uh that group of guys, you know, what do we get out of them? Can they ever get Chris Sale back? Man, that's a contract that I bet they wish they could go back and and uh, and not sign. Uh, because he just really has not done a whole lot for them since he originally signed on. Uh, with the Red Sox, you don't blame them for trying to sign him with the numbers that he was able to put up, you know, over the first few years of his career. But, you know, can they pitch enough? I don't know. But that offense is scary. Like, nobody wants to play them. I'm just going to read off some of their scores from their last several games. So, Monday, they got walloped 10 nothing by my by my Baltimore Orioles. The day before that, Sunday, they won 12-2. to they won the first game of a doubleheader on Saturday, five to three. They lost Friday, twelve to eight, but they were winning that game six nothing and eight to two before the Orioles came all the way back and beat them. Thursday, the twenty sixth in Chicago, sixteen to seven. Tuesday, the twenty fourth, they won sixteen to three. Twenty Sunday, May twenty second, eight to four. Twenty first, they won six to five. Now, a lot of these games, outside of that. You know, their their offense really came alive. You see their you know, they start scoring four or five four or five plus runs a game right around Monday, May sixteenth. Just so happens to coincide with a long homestand where they played Houston, Seattle. They had a three game series in Chicago where they just went off and scored sixteen runs and two sixteen runs twice over the three games. And then they played five games against Baltimore here over the weekend. So I'm not saying it's all down to Fenway because obviously you've got a lot of professional hitters. You ran them off. J.D. Martinez is the – what's he hitting, like 409 or something for the month of May, like ridiculously high uh, batting average for J.D. Martinez. Uh, Trevor Story, I believe he led leads the American League in RBIs for the month of May after having his really slow start to the season. Rafael Devers trying to cover off the ball the way he does – the offense has come alive, but I think it's in no – I don't think it's any coincidence whatsoever that their offense has come alive in Fenway, which is just a ridiculous offensive park. For as much space as you have out there in right field, with that short porch in left field and these you know, left-handed batters that are able to just play pepper with that right field wall, it, it's, you have no idea what's going to happen. No lead is safe when you're in Fenway. And – before we like, I'm going to kick it back over to you for more thoughts on the Boston offense and Fenway. But I just want to give a quick update because the Orioles game has taken another amusing turn. Julio Rodriguez, after striking out, was ejected from the game for arguing balls and strikes. So the rookie's going to miss the end of the game. And in response, the Orioles have come out and they have decided to put Chris Owings, position player Chris Owings, on the mound, and he is up here throwing 50 mile an hour meatballs to guys to try and get the last three outs of the game. So, if you want a little uh, Chris Owens has been in Arizona, a few other places, and uh, a classic journeyman, uh, journeyman player that's been able to stick in the league because of his grit, and now he finds himself on the mound. Hope he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Well, you never want to see anybody get hurt, but I'm not going to be upset if Chris Owings is not long for the Baltimore roster, and I hope we give his spot to some young guy beyond that. But – what are, your, what are your thoughts? Have you watched – like, how much have you watched the Red Sox, and how much do you think that their current offensive explosion is being influenced by their stretch of home games here that they get? I mean, I, th- I think that Fenway definitely helps, but I do think that some of these guys – listen, I think J.D. Martinez, Trevor Story can hit about anywhere. And so, uh, you know, once these guys get going – they're going to be formidable, whether at home or away. And it's a good thing because they're going to have to outspug people just to keep their heads above water, I think. This is not an extremely impressive uh, pitching staff, and so they're, they're going to have to outspug people. But I, I do think you're right. I think that, you know, the, the friendly confines of, of Fenway Park, if you will, and being able to get home, you know, sleep in your own beds and all that kind of stuff, they, uh, a lot of times can, can help. Uh we, we've seen it before with teams that 
you know, a good homestand is, is, is kind of the remedy sometimes for struggling, and and this has been the case with Boston. Uh, so a couple other things that I had, uh, the San Diego Padres, man, like they're doing all this without Tatis. We talked about Bob Melvin on that uh, being added to that bench early on. Uh, I'm impressed with what I'm getting, what we're getting out of San Diego. They clearly look like the second best team in that division. Uh, Eric Hosmer has rediscovered something. They tried to do everything that they could to trade this guy, um, including going and getting another first baseman, <laughs> you know, to make him even more expendable. But uh, they signed him to a, you know, quite honestly, a much bigger contract than probably he should have gotten. You know, there's all this talk about him being a great clubhouse guy and a great blue guy and whatever else. But he, Eric Hosmer has really uh, settled in and has really had a good season so far this year for San Diego. And I'm impressed with what I'm seeing out of the Padres. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of talent on that team now. Yeah, they had a uh, had a great showing against against Pittsburgh over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, one four three, got their their big walk off win in the tenth inning after the on set, on Sunday after the Pirates tied it up late. The Pirates really put a little bit of a fight into some of these. I do say they I got a good young pitcher that pitched the, pretty well the other day too. Yeah, um, as bad as the Pirates are, and let's make no mistake about it, they're bad. But they're yes. they're they're hanging around with teams a lot more than I expected them to. Kind of like kind of like the Orioles. The only difference being they're not. The Orioles, I feel like, are, were trending. You know that they're the, that the Orioles are young and they're on this rebuild and they're going in the right. You feel like they had a direction. The Pirates, I kind of came into the season. I'm like, I don't know where you guys are going. I don't know what you're trying to do here. Are we are we buying veterans? Are we treading water? Are we going young? It 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 wasn't really clear. And then they gave out their extensions to to Hayes and some of their other guys. So, but they're they're surprising me. I don't think that they're – I still don't know where they're going, but I've been relatively impressed from series to series and game to game with how the Pirates have played. So, and like I said, they got a good young pitcher that just came up and pitched pretty well the other day. I want to take a, a completely different turn. Nate has no idea that I'm going to do this, but we call this the baseball buffet. So, um, I want to go – one other place, just to mention this game because I think it, it warrants at least a little bit of mention, only because of the just ridiculousness of the way this turned out. There was a game in the Pac-12 baseball tournament last weekend between UCLA and I want to say Arizona State. It was one of the Arizona teams, and I want to say it was the Arizona State. UCLA was down nine runs going into the ninth inning came all the way back and tied it. Gave up a run in the top of the tent, scored another run to tie it, and then in the 11th hit a three-run home run and won the game. The final score of this college baseball game was 25-22. to 22. I, I saw that box was, uh, <laughs> I did see that That's box crazy. Where, actually. And I, was, uh, I meant to say something to you and Dave about it. it was, and I believe it was... Uh, it was Oregon State, and the reason why it sticks in my mind is because Adelie Rutschman is an Oregon State beaver. That's the only reason yeah. that one stuck out to me. <laughs> they were down 21-12 to 12 going into the ninth inning and were able to put together nine runs to come back and, and tie that game. Um, you, it's hard to score nine runs in one inning in any, in any level of baseball, let alone – uh, at the college level, even with the aluminum bat. So that that was just kind of a crazy, like, I, I remember walking away from that going, okay, Bruins won by a field goal, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> at, uh, at the buzzer. So the uh, NCAA baseball tournament is starting this weekend. You got the, uh, you know, they changed the format several years ago. So you have 16, 14 double elimination tournaments. And those uh, winners will then move on to play what they call Super Regionals the following weekend. So you'll have eight series, best two out of three. And then those eight teams will then go to Omaha uh, for the next weekend and start the uh, 
start the College World Series. And the Tennessee Vols are the number one seed overall. They finished 25-5 and five, uh, in the conference this year, and a pretty good conference, too. Uh, it's one of the best seasons that I can remember a team ever having in the SEC. They go through the tournament. LSU gives them a little bit of a close game. And then uh, Kentucky led them going into the eighth inning, and the Vols erupted for, like, 12 runs in their last couple of at-bats to uh, – to just uh, go away in that game, and then they were able to close out the SEC tournament. So they won the uh, the regular season. They won the tournament. They're the number one overall seed. And that Tennessee Volunteers team is pretty tough. You got uh, the ACC and SEC are well represented. Big Ten's got several teams in there. Um, but you know, there's normal suspects in college baseball, but. Uh, the, the postseason gets ramped up this Friday in, in the sport of college baseball. Did I see that uh, Maryland Maryland won the Big Ten regular season, right? They did, I believe. Yeah. And I think, think looks like Michigan won the Big Ten tournament, too, but was tournament well. though. Yeah, Michigan beat um, Iowa, I think, in the uh, finals of the Big Ten college Lucky. tournament. But, you know, the interesting thing about these tournaments is they go double elimination, and a lot of them now are turning to single elimination come to semifinals because they're trying to save pitches. They understand that the biggest prize is not the conference tournament. It's, uh, it's what you can do after that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, LSU – is going to play at the University of Southern Mississippi, who uh, is one of the 16 number one seeds. And so LSU's got a number two seed there. Is going on. They got a couple of really good. Uh, they got a couple of really good bats. There's a kid for LSU named Dylan Cruz, hit 21 home runs this year, uh, hit about 350. Like just a super talented college player. And a lot of people have said that that guy's got pro prospect written all over him. But so. I will see. I always follow my LSU Tigers. So that kind of covers college baseball. Dave, we got like, I mean, I'm sorry, Nate, we got about, I don't know, two or three minutes here, and I don't want to butcher the close like I did last time. So is there any uh, any other particular baseball topic that you would like to bring up before we get ready to wrap this thing up and call it a day? You know, I think we've covered – most of my topics for it. I'm. I'll just sign off with a. You know, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Check out all of the, all of our different shows across the entire family of the Sports City Chefs Network, Baseball Buffet. We are here with you every Tuesday night. Uh, check out all the great stuff that's up on the website and the blog, SportsCityChefs.com. And one last time, we are brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. Check that out for all of your Philly-based sports apparel. Use the promo code CHEFS when you're checking out. And with that, I am gonna let, I'm going to kick it over to you, Mike. Take us out with your, with your final thoughts on the baseball world as we sit here at the close of May, beginning of June. Okay, look, and just so you guys know, that's phiapparel.co, not com, uh, phiapparel.co. So check that out, CHEFS, for the 15% discount, man. Uh, really quickly. Braves are starting to wake up a little bit. We'll see if they can uh, keep that going. Uh, Mets are playing good baseball, still very good baseball being played by the Dodgers. Of course, that's an all-star team of a lineup that they got going there. Uh, Mookie Betts and Trey Turner both having a fantastic season. And we'll see. Trey Turner is going to be a a free agent at the end of this year. So uh, what will happen there? Him and it'll be interesting to see how that sort of pans out. But real quick, man, I want to give a shout-out to all the chefs that are with us on a regular basis. Uh, TP Timeless, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. The villain, Mr. Barry Jordan, you, you hear from both of those guys tomorrow night on the cookout, 9 Eastern time. Also, uh, Sirius Simmons, uh, Pittsburgh's finest. He represents all the area codes out there, man. Uh, Clubhouse, on barbers- check out the barbershop on Clubhouse. Come see what we do there. Uh, nice family environment, man. And uh, – if you want to talk baseball in Clubhouse, the Baseball Collective rooms at 9 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday night, man. But I've said enough. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. And for all of the Sports City chefs and for PHI Apparel and everybody else that has a hand in this, man, 
laissez les bons temps rouler, and let the good times roll, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Uh, have a great one, everybody, and thanks for listening to the baseball. Have a great one, Mike. We will you see too, everybody next week. All right. A lot of fun, Dave. Take it easy, everybody. Nate, I keep saying Dave. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.